All right, everybody, welcome to the first official podcast episode of Tea and Nuggets. I am so excited. If I had one of those club air horns that I would definitely blow it. I hope that imitation of it was good enough for you. But again, thank you all so much. If you are under the sound of my voice, just know that I appreciate you. I love you. I hope that you are having an amazing day or an amazing evening, and hopefully by the end of listening to this podcast that that will have gotten even better. (laughs) So uh, with this particular session, it's a little bit of a continuation from the teaser, hashtag struggle love. Shout out to all the folks who listened to that, especially those who listened and shot me some feedback, shouted me out. I appreciate you. In that teaser, we were talking about struggle love in respect to some of the comments around Pastor John Gray, Kimbella, and Joel Santana in their recent engagement. In the teaser, I said that I wanted to go back and do my research on a couple of things because I don't believe in speaking from an uninformed space when we have so many resources readily available to us to get the information that we need. With Pastor John Gray, I went and actually looked at the Sister Circle episode that that little bit of that clip that was featured where he was talking about his wife and uh, talking about her being a covering for him, talking about his new book and what that really meant to him. His book is When From Within, and in the context of talking about his wife, he was talking about how it was a pattern of bad behavior with the men in his family. And so his only hope was to become and be a mama's boy. He said that being a mama's boy was his only chance at manhood. And when he was asked by Selena Johnson how his being a mama's boy affected his relationships and affected his relationship, you know, with his wife, he was saying that he had to, he's still rather growing into his wife because he got a wife that was like two sizes too big for him and she's a covering for him instead of a lid. He did say that she's endured more pain and suffering birthing him over the eight years that they've been together than she probably has with their children. And in the teaser episode, I was very adamant about not agreeing with that concept of getting with someone, being with someone, in my opinion, perpetuating struggle love where you have to endure all of this pain in order to get to that, what I call the light at the end of the tunnel love. And I still don't agree with that. I still don't. And even though he said he really appreciates her and will spend the rest of his life honoring her, that little snippet, that little piece that went so viral all across Instagram, that is what I take issue with. I feel you should really be able to come to the relationship table as fully formed human beings. Everybody's going to have their problems, their issues, their struggles, but you should still come to that relationship table with something to give. And I feel like with his statement, the context around it, if you don't have the full context around it, you're just taking that piece. That statement of his is saying that you can show up with nothing to readily offer and get the benefits of someone who does without having to pour into them as well. 
that was still on my mind and I knew I wanted to do a continuation just of that thought after I got a little bit more context to that whole situation in this episode. As I was reading some of the excerpts from Becoming with my forever floaters, Michelle Obama, I am so grateful for her. I know it's probably many of you out there who are incredibly grateful for her as well, just as a woman, as this woman of color, this incredibly educated black woman who has had to endure so much criticism in the public eye ever since she came to prominence in the public eye. Herself, her style, her looks, her fashion, her family, her beliefs, her politics. I just so appreciate her beauty and her elegance and her intelligence and how she is just pulling away the veil a bit with becoming. In full transparency, I have not read the book yet. I was advised not to purchase the book by my mother, who I know is purchasing the book for both me and my sister for Christmas. I do appreciate all the folks who have up until this point shared excerpts though, because as I was perusing through some of the excerpts and some of her thoughts being shared in the interviews that she's done in relation to her book tour, one idea that came from her Essence magazine and interview. And I'm reading and I quote, I think a lot of people do not have a clear idea of what they should look for in a mate. And for a long time, I did not either. What really drew me to Barack was that when I met him, he was a fully formed individual already. From our conversations, he showed me he was not afraid to express his fears and his doubts or that he might not have all of the answers. But one thing she also appreciated was Barack's openness to embracing and supporting her ambitions as well as his. She said he could handle someone with her own passions and goals, someone who had ideas of her own. He relished in it, in fact, and I like that. Speaking from that perspective, looking at Michelle, looking at how accomplished she was just as a professional already before her and Barack got together. And then taking that down to just them as people, like I appreciate this idea. I appreciate this concept. I appreciate the perpetuation of this thought that before you come together as a partnership, as a union, you're coming to meet this other half as a fully formed individual, a fully formed being. Yes, you will bring your own baggage. Everybody has some baggage behind them. But you should, in my opinion, come to a situation, acknowledge that you do have this baggage, and then share with your partner how you're working to overcome. To me, that's relationship goals. I feel like you should already be positioned to reciprocate and have a mutually beneficial relationship with your partner. But not under the expectation that for the goals and dreams and desires that your partner may have, that you are responsible for helping them accomplish those goals or truly realize those dreams and visions. I think that's more than fair. I don't think that's asking for too much. 
quite honestly. I know some people may look at that and say, well, you have to meet people where they are and understand that everyone may not be at the same place or the same level that you are. But I think it's more unfair to get with someone who may not be where you are who's not able to come to that table in the same way that you are. I think it's more unfair to still entertain that than putting your expectations out there and really manifesting that that is what you know you want and need in order to have a fulfilling relationship instead of just taking anything that you can get and then getting frustrated because it's not operating, that relationship is not operating at a level or in a way that you want it to be. And then you eventually start to resent that person. And then that's what begets that bitterness that people can get by being in, again, situations that they had no business being in in the first place. They get that bitterness, they get that anger, they get that resentment, and then they fester in it to the point of it's a big blowout. And then those two people separate and they're taking that bitterness and that resentment and that anger into their next relationships. And that's what I feel really starts or kicks off that bitterness cycle that continues to provide foundation and grounding for the building up of struggle love. I talked about Kimbella and Joelle Santana, I believe pretty fully in the teaser episode. I am not one for being with someone for an extended period of time and then still wondering like, what are we doing? I feel that at this point, I am a very grown woman. I know that some people are all well and good for dating for X number of years, five, six, 10, 15, 20 years, and then having a conversation as to well, where are we going? Where what are we doing? Are we getting married or what? And I completely respect folks who prefer that. I just also invite folks to respect me as someone who could not do that. I could not be dating someone for 10 years or about 10 years that Kimbella and Jewel's Santana have been together and have children, children, plural. And just now, as you are on the verge of going to serve time, you're at the point of saying, well, I want to commit to you. I want to marry you. I would see that as the ultimate insult. I'm just saying this as an outsider looking in and I'm viewing it from my unique perspective as someone who sets different standards for my relationships and my intimate romantic relationships especially. That is not something that I would see as cute or loving or anything of that nature. I would see it as an ultimate insult because it's like now that you are essentially on your last leg and you're looking for somebody who will continue to hold you down while you go and serve time. Now you want to make this commitment to me. But making that commitment prior to us literally starting a family together and living together that didn't occur to you at all. No, thank you. That is no, just no. Alrighty, so moving on to our next segment, there are a couple of things that I wanted to touch on. And one thing was just giving you a brief rundown as to why 
I started my podcast. If you follow t.nuggets on Instagram, shameless plug, you'll see that I put a post up last week just really giving you a bit more context around the podcast itself, the meaning behind Tea and Nuggets and why I chose that name. But really, I wanted to start a podcast for a long time. I thought it would be a really cool venture. I thought that it would be something that I would enjoy and get a lot out of. And many of my friends were like, girl, you need to start a podcast. You are funny or you just have some great ideas or great insights and not to toot my own horn. I do. But there were so many different things that I identified as challenges and really stopped myself from starting. It was me thinking that I had to have everything perfectly lined up. I had to have the right name. I had to have the right branding and marketing and a logo. And I had to know everything there is to know about recording editing, developing my podcast rundown. What was I going to say? What was I going to do? And then after doing all of that, marketing it and thinking who in the world would want to listen to me for minutes on end and really just talking myself out of the whole idea of it before I even started. I think oftentimes we will overwhelm ourselves with all of the things that could possibly happen that are bad instead of just focusing on actually doing something to see what could come of it. And that's what I did to myself. I thought I had to get all of this equipment and build my own podcast studio or find space and do all these things. And I finally decided to stop getting in my own way and just try it just experiment just be spontaneous honestly because i hadn't done this before i didn't have anything to lose so why did i feel like i had to do all of this unnecessary build-up when i hadn't set a bar for myself with this already so i didn't know what to meet or exceed just yet so here i am recording this episode in my New York apartment. I'm sure y'all can hear all of the natural soundtrack of city living from my air freshener going off to whatever else is going on outside. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. It's a mess, but I'm enjoying it and I'm loving it. And it is very, very organic. And that was really what I wanted when it came to this particular podcast. I wanted to start off in a way where I can just get a start. And I think that so often we are afraid to just give ourselves a start. I believe it was Madam C.J. Walker who said, I got myself a start by making a start. Of course, For those of you who are familiar with Madam C.J. Walker, she was the very first African-American woman self-made millionaire. I remember learning about her when I was younger because I just thought it was interesting. My dad was adamant, both my parents, but my dad especially, 
was adamant about really two or three things <laughs> that me and my sister were going to know before we left our house with our parents. We were going to know how to clean and bathe ourselves and have good hygiene. We were going to know how to read and write. And we were always going to know how to do math, how to count. He was very adamant about that because he was like, if you can do all of those things, you'll be just fine. If you can read and comprehend, if you know how to take care of yourself, you'll always be in a position to present yourself in a proper way and put your best step forward. And if you know how to count, you'll know when people are trying to swindle you out of your money. With that, he was also very adamant about putting positive images of African Americans in front of our faces at a very early age. Madam C.J. Walker, Charles Richard Drew, Benjamin Banneker, those were people who I was very much familiar with by the time I hit double digits. I think about that when I look at just moving out of my own way and taking advantage of all the resources that we do have available right now that folks back in the day didn't. And you see how big of an impact they were still able to make, how long and lasting of a legacy that they were able to leave for all of us to continue to learn from. I thought about that as I was just hemming and hawing on actually making an effort to record an episode or record a teaser or do something. And I just said, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop giving up on myself before I even put an honest effort towards doing something. And so that's what I'm doing. In the midst of that, I did look up that Madam C.J. Walker quote just to make sure I'm sharing accurate information with you. And she did say I got my start by giving myself a start. Also, with this podcast, I am very rough with it. I'll be the first to admit, again, I'm recording this in my apartment. And I'm still having a lot of fun with it. I hope you are too. But that's me spilling my own tea. There's no magic. There's no mirrors. There's nothing fancy or lush or super sexy about any of this. I don't have on anything cute necessarily. It's towards the end of the day. It is the end of the day for me. I came home and started after I got off work. I'm sitting in my pajamas, which are not sexy at all. It's a t-shirt and some shorts. And my satin bonnet. Hey there now. In the midst of saying all of that, stop being an obstacle for yourself. When you do that, you sell yourself short. When you do that, you show a lack of faith in the God who has made you, who has wonderfully and uniquely fashioned you, and who wants you to be happy and successful and walking in the light and on the path that he has for you. It was my trip earlier this year at the recording of this podcast where I went to Bali, had an amazing time there. I went with beautiful women who I did not know prior to. We all went as part of Am Noir and Live Limitlessly. It was a wellness retreat where we were just working on 
getting ourselves together individually, collectively, releasing all of the negative thinking, that stinking thinking that we all have and facing our fears and just releasing all of that so we could tap into the power that is within us. That trip for me, while it was fun, it was great. I met some amazing women who have just become a part of my extended family, my friends that are more like family. It was very transformative for me because it made me take an honest look at myself and ask myself why I was constantly negatively talking to myself and telling myself what I couldn't do and what I shouldn't do and what wasn't appropriate and what I need to be mindful of. And it was a experience that made me just hold up a mirror to myself and ask all the tough questions that I would be completely fine working with one of my friends to ask them to help them work through something. And it was like, you need to put that effort back into yourself. And so that particular retreat helped me to put that effort back into myself and ask those tough questions and really get some answers. And I'm still, and continuing to spill my tea, I'm still answering some of the questions or answering those lingering questions that I continue to have. I'm on the search for a good therapist to sit down and talk with and I know that some people look at therapy as this unnecessary thing I think that sometimes in black community which is the vantage point that I'm speaking from that black folks would think you don't need therapy you just need Jesus you just need to go over there and pray because that's them demons on you baby and While I don't completely disagree with that, I do think that you need to talk things out. It's important to do that. And it's important to talk to people who can be completely unbiased towards you. Somebody who can just step in and they're just listening and they're taking everything in and they can help you work through it and talk through it and really get to the root of why you're feeling this way or how you started falling into this cycle or this pattern of behavior. I think that's incredibly important. And sometimes the people who love you most, like your family, they're too close to you to be able to help you dig deeper in that way. And then sometimes they are the triggers or they are Some of their behaviors are the behaviors that you have embodied or some of your reactions towards their behaviors have created those detrimental patterns. So they can't work with you to help course correct or help fix what may be going on with you. So it's important to have that third party to just help you talk some things out and give you a space to vent and just be very transparent and not feel as if you're being judged. So I am on the search to finding a therapist that I can just meet with to talk things out 
and work through things. And I don't feel crazy about it. I was actually talking to with my women's Bible class at church. We were actually talking about this, not last week, but the week before. When we look at overall wellness, that's a part of it that we really need to start to normalize in the church in like within our religious spaces is therapy is okay meditation is okay taking time out to really evaluate where you are spiritually and mentally and physically and emotionally is a part of your holistic health some of that programming definitely could be developed and intersected in our religious spaces When you look at religious spaces, especially in the African-American community, which is the vantage point from which I sit, those are generally the spaces where we come together the most, just as a united front and a force. And those are also the spaces where you see more folks that look like us in roles of influence and leadership. And in some ways, primary roles of nurturing and providing guidance and providing direction and really showing leadership in a way that is supposed to be feeding into you and guiding you along your destined path, or at least providing you with resources to help you understand what is your destined path based upon how God is choosing to use you. What's your purpose per se? We were talking about that. And I know since my Bali retreat experience and trip, I was just saying I wanted to have someone that I could just regularly check in with to make sure that my mental, spiritual, emotional hygiene was in check. If anyone knows of anyone who is really, really great in the New York area, you can feel free to email me through the podcast email. It's enjoyt.nuggets at gmail.com. If you're following t.nuggets on Instagram, you can click the button at the top and shoot that email right to me because I would love to meet with someone one-on-one. I know there are apps like Talkspace that... You can just connect with someone via phone, but I want to start off meeting with someone in person. I like that in-person interaction, and I feel like I would do well with that, at least starting off. And then maybe phase two would be being able to connect with someone just via text and things of that nature. Longer story short... (laughs) (laughs) on how I came about just starting this podcast and really looking at it as a way of getting out of my own way. I'm proud of myself for making the first leap and just understanding it's not about what anyone else thinks. I could be recording this and no one could be listening to it, but it still feels good for me to just put it out there because it may be one person who listens to it, that just needs it, that needs to hear that, can understand and relate to where I am right now and where they may be at some point and know that you're not alone. It's a lot of folks out here who you may think have it together and they don't. You may think they are not 
suffering from stinking thinking or feeling insecure or feeling stuck, even though they may appear to be in a position of prominence. That's more common than not. We just want to talk about that a little bit more. And that's a part of me talking about that more in having this platform to do so. So enough of me spilling my own tea, okay? Let's reach into the tea chest and get some more tea. So Gabrielle Union, y'all, I am so happy for Gabrielle Union with the addition of little Kavia James, her new baby with Dwayne Wade. I swear. That baby is so, first of all, the baby is adorable, okay? She is such a cutie pie. If you are not following her on Instagram, she has her own Instagram account. Yes, that is a thing. I know when I do have children, they will have their own Instagram accounts. I am not playing with y'all. But she has her own Instagram account, little Kavia James. And they have been using the hashtag Shady Baby for her because the captions on her posts, she has all the attitude and all the laughs and it is so funny. You can tell that they are just having so much fun with her and they're really enjoying this experience of parenthood together. It's no secret, Gabrielle has been very transparent about her issues with fertility her multiple rounds of in vitro, experiencing multiple miscarriages. It is so refreshing to hear someone speak so openly about those challenges, especially from the perspective of a woman of color. I know when I first heard conversations about people struggling to conceive, women struggling to conceive and couples struggling to conceive and all of the options when it came to in vitro and when it came to surrogacy. I never saw women of color or couples of color having those conversations in such a visible way. I I never saw that. And I think that led to my thought or my idea or my unresearched notion that, you know, well, maybe black folks just don't struggle with fertility like that, like non-black people. And the older I have gotten and the more conversations that I have had with my own friends, it's like, actually, it's more common than not, at least within the circle of folks that I talk to and I associate with. It is a deep and real issue, and I'm glad that folks like Gabrielle Union, who has this level of celebrity, has this platform, is highly visible that she's using it to initiate these conversations so that more people feel comfortable talking about these things openly. I know that with one segment of (laughs) my friend group, I just... A couple of weeks ago, the day after Thanksgiving, we were all talking and just catching up with one another. It was me and three of my friends who also happened to be three of my sisters in Christ. And we were all talking about fertility 
and having children and the fact that all of us at this point are 30 plus. Some of us may or may not be in relationships or relationships that are leading to the point of marriage. And we're just now getting to the point, I'll say collectively, where we feel comfortable financially in supporting ourselves and being able to afford all of our needs and a good bit of our wants. We're at levels professionally where we feel as if the time and money that we have invested in our educations has allowed us to leverage and build upon our skill sets to put us in positions where we feel like we're really able to add value. But we also want to experience motherhood and and being a wife. But that may not come within the next year or the next three years or the next five years. So when we look at just the fact that we are getting older and while technology has continued to advance, you see women 50 plus who are carrying their own children and what have you, everybody is different. So what are we looking at right now when we look at just identifying what our options could be. In that conversation that we were having with one another, one of my homegirls just presented the idea of freezing your eggs. I have thought about it. I haven't given it serious thought to the point of actually starting or initiating the process to do so, to get my eggs ready to be extracted to freeze them. But I look at it and, you know, I am getting older and I would like to be able to biologically have children if I am able to. Um, And if I get to a point where I may not be able to do that physically within my own body, I would love to be able to have my own egg to provide to a surrogate. For me, and this is just for me, I'm not projecting anything on anyone. I don't want to have a child until I am in a committed relationship and a committed institution of a marriage. I really want to be able to bring a child into a healthy relationship with me and my husband and us coming together and making that conscious decision that we are ready, we have financial reserves, we are emotionally in check, we are spiritually sound with one another to then be able to open up our hearts and our homes to building a family with each other. That's the parameters, that's the environment rather that I would want to bring or birth a child into. And that's just for me. I know that's not for everybody. That's really been more of a recent revelation for me because for the longest time I was just like, I don't need to have a partner. I don't need to be married. If I want to have a child, I'll just have a child on my own. But For me, that narrative was coming out of a place where I never thought that I would be able to find someone to commit to in that way, to actually be with and want to marry and want to be with long term. 
that was me thinking that way because ultimately in digging down deeper, I didn't feel like I was worthy of that or I deserved that. But that is a discussion for a whole nother podcast session. Oh my goodness. I said I was going to stop spilling my tea and now I keep doing it. We'll probably discuss that in the next episode because I think that's worthy of a deeper dive. But anywho, I have thought about that and that was my initial thinking. I was like, I don't need to have a child biologically. There's plenty of children out here who are in orphanages who need homes and I would be completely fine with that. But then I thought about it and I was like, if I could biologically have a child, I would want to do that and also I want a beautiful marriage. I'm not too hung up on like this big elaborate wedding because it's really about the marriage and who I'm with that I'm concerned about. (laughs) But I want to be able to come together with my partner, with my husband and just build this family. And looking at that, like I'm not dating anyone at this point in time where I'm just like, yes, I'm on the fast track to get married. So I'm exploring different options. And as we were talking about it, one of my homegirls was like, you know, I would like to do this, but it's just different hesitations that I have. And the process of doing that, I mean, it is expensive when you're going through the process of freezing your eggs. I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that it is an endeavor that you are investing money in and that you continue to invest money in because paying someone to store your eggs is like paying rent, you know? So you have to pay it if you want your eggs to have a happy and a healthy environment to live in. So that's another part of that expense that you have to look at if this is something that you're going to do and we were talking through that she was saying you know like well I mean is that too like it can get expensive and we were just discussing where when we go and get advanced degrees right we know that we are about to invest our time and money into getting that advanced degree but it's something that we want it's something that we feel will add value to our lives, maybe on a personal level, maybe on a professional level, oftentimes both. But we know that going into it and we know that we're going to have to make necessary sacrifices of our time, of our money, inconvenience ourselves, inconvenience others sometimes in different ways in order for us to to acquire that. And I look at the process of freezing your eggs in the same way. You know, it's it's an investment. You're going into it knowing that it's going to be an investment. But you have to determine, is this going to be the type of investment that you're willing to make whatever financial sacrifices for that it requires, just like you would with your education? And then that's another question of, does it matter to you that when the time comes for you to have a child, would you be completely messed up about it if your child had none of your biological makeup as part of them? Like, would you be completely fine adopting a child? Would you be completely fine having a child via surrogate, maybe not with your egg, but maybe with a a family member's egg? Would you be okay with that? And if that's something that you would hem and haw over, then you really have to seriously consider 
maybe this is something I need to do if it's becoming a point of you're concerned about it. So we had a good discussion around that. And I don't think that we would have been as open to discussing something like that had it not been for many celebrities, many women, whether they are women of color or women who are not of color, are using their platforms in ways to just really talk about fertility struggles. You see more articles and magazines and more stories just being documented and shared across social platforms about women having fertility issues, women having issues with childbirth and postpartum depression and just mommyhood in general. Some people like bounce right into that and some people don't you know some people are like I gave birth and I love my child but I really don't like them like that so when am I gonna start (laughs) liking them and I'm so glad that we have these different mediums in which to hear and see and absorb these stories because they allow us to go back and have more transparent conversations with our loved ones and those that we trust. So I appreciate Gabrielle Union for using her platform as such to just really speak the truth about what has been going on with her. And I think that because she did that and now she's sharing her joy, she's allowing us the opportunity to engage with her and her family in her joy of having her child. It just makes that experience even richer and even more special because you feel like I have been following you. I feel you. I see you. I understand everything that you have shared, what you've gone through, and I'm just so happy for you. So much, 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 much love to the Union Wade family and little Kavya James, little shady baby. Ugh, with your little cute shady self. She is so adorable. <laughs> um, pulling into my tea chest once again. So I saw where these memes were going around about a week or so ago with Dwight Howard and how he has been called out or outed as a bottom by his alleged ex-girlfriend who happens to be a trans woman. I read a couple of articles about it and apparently the the ex-girlfriend or what have you was asking him if his family knew that he engaged in sexual relationships with trans people and men. And this was like a conversation going via text message. And he was asking, why do you want to know? And the girlfriend was like, I just want to know for my own reasons. And he was like, why does it matter? My thing with that is... Whether you're a celebrity, whether you are regular Joe Blow schmo on the street, what you do in your bedroom is your business. It's a level of privacy that comes with the intimacies that you are sharing with whoever you are sharing them with. And if you're with a person who would prefer you not put their sexual business all out in the street, I really feel like you should just respect that. I know that people were saying that 
Um, she was like coming with receipts. She got receipts via text message that he likes being a bottom or he like engaging in sex with trans people or these things like that or he's gay or whatever. Also in the articles that I read, this person is saying that I didn't put this out here to seek fame. I just feel like it should be known. But it's just like, what is the purpose of the receipt? Why do you feel like it should be known? If you've been engaging in this intimate relationship with this person all this time and nothing has resulted in it that's been illegal, that's been detrimental, that's been harmful to you, then what's the point in airing out their business? That's y'all's intimate business between the two of you. And I just think that that was... In doing that, in providing these receipts, quote unquote, I just think that was a very selfish act. And I also think that's introducing something unnecessarily so about this person to the public that he then has to go back and just try to explain or rationalize or provide some context to those closest to him who may not have known of his sexual interest or his sexual proclivities or what have you. I'm also looking at it from the fact that I know that he has a child and I believe this child is in double digit ages from his previous relationship. Now you're putting this out here and these children nowadays have access to all of the social platforms. They have Instagram accounts, they have cell phones, they have Snapchat and what have you. So now all of this is going around where this child is seeing these quote unquote receipts, is seeing these memes and may be confused and not understand what's going on. And now they have their peers in school who are providing their commentary based upon the extent to which they understand it or they know what's going on. And I just hate that because our children today are already bombarded with a lot of stuff from a very early age because of technology. Like their faces are in front of screens before they even reach the age of one. They're knowing how to navigate iPads and iPhones better than these grown folks. They're starting tech startup companies before they even get in double digit ages. Now this child is being bombarded not only with all of these adult images period, but now being bombarded with all of these images of their parent in a way that they may not be able to comprehend fully and they may be embarrassed about or they may just be angry or upset about because of what they perceive it to be. It's like now you're just doing that unnecessarily. So out of the whole situation where, yeah, it may have been some good memes had out of it, but I'm really just thinking about the child in this situation. And I'm hoping that that child's parents and the child's families are coming together and just helping that baby understand and helping provide that baby with some clarity and some context and some resources and some tools so that they can continue navigating like their little child life and be able to really understand what's going on and how to receive different things that people may say or different comments that people may make and be able to grasp different concepts 
and identify things in more appropriate ways instead of just going by what they perceive things to be or what someone is telling them that things are. With the whole Dwight Howard thing, it is what it is, but I'm just more concerned about children that may be in a sense affected by these receipts that this person has produced in an effort to not fame grab but just to make people aware it's like come on stop it really that was so unnecessary so any who on that digging into the tea chest further i am glad that romaine lettuce has been cleared to ingest once again not that i'm a huge salad eater but when I do get on my salad kick, I will eat a salad for lunch and dinner every day for like a week. And it was messing me up because my favorite salad place at work, I couldn't go there. I couldn't trust the greens. And I'm just like, somebody, anybody help. So I'm very glad that romaine has been cleared to go back on the shelves and we can eat it safely again. But there was also a meme that I saw or a tweet that I saw that someone posted to Instagram that basically said that when it was said the romaine lettuce was dangerous, the shelves in supermarkets all across the nation were completely cleared of romaine lettuce, period, done, that's it. But when we have true hard evidence that guns are dangerous, we act like we do not have the means to clear out guns and stop people from accessing guns for any extended period of time. I feel like that is some real and deep stuff right there. Because with all of these senseless shootings, I'm sure in 2018 alone, we have probably had over a hundred some odd senseless shootings just in the U.S. And I'm sure I am vastly underestimating that. I just Googled it right now. Actually, it's 307 mass incidents that have occurred thus far as of October 27th. And this is according to data from the Gun Violence Archive. The fact that we have had 307, 307 mass shootings in the U.S. thus far in 2018. Listen to that again. 307 mass shootings in the U.S. thus far in 2018. That is ridiculous. And yet we say that there is no way for us to completely clear out and move out and stop people from accessing guns. But when romaine lettuce was making people sick and killing people, way less people than those who lost their lives in senseless shootings in one of these senseless 307 and climbing shootings in 2018 thus far we act like all we can do is sit on our hands 
It's absolutely ridiculous. And that's where the importance of getting out and holding our government officials accountable. This is evidence of why we need to be more adamant about doing that. When all the different campaigns were coming out about the importance of getting up, going out, and voting, when all those different campaigns were coming out, folks were still somewhere acting like it was a game, acting like, well, my voice won't matter. I'm not going to say nothing. And look, your one voice may not be able to make the biggest impact in the world, but you have to understand that your one voice comes together with someone else's one voice and then someone else's one voice and then someone else's one voice. And all of us being able to understand and respect that it's the collective of our voices that moves things, that pushes things, that holds people accountable is what we have to always keep in the forefront in order to understand and have faith that change can be made. That's what we have to continue to push and hold each other accountable for. It's not just saying, well, I just got this one voice. And it's like, no, we actually have a larger voice, but you have to do your part in helping us turn up the volume. And that's why the voting campaigns, while some of them were cute, some of them were great, some of them had celebrities all out on the campaign trails, that's nice. But those are just people using the platforms that they have, their platforms and their positions of influence to try to make a difference and try to encourage people to stop giving up on yourself before you even do anything. And that goes back to me talking about just starting this podcast, just actually getting out there and making an effort. And it bothers me when I look at people who have the opportunity, they have the resources, they had an opportunity, they have the status to be able to go out and vote. And they still choose not to by saying ignorant stuff like, well, it won't matter. And when you hear stories of our ancestors about how they were going and putting on their Sunday's best to go walk to the polls, not drive, not Uber, not take the bus, but having to walk multiple miles to the polls to cast their ballots in front of people who didn't even want them there, people who were turning them away. And saying that they had to go to this polling station and this place, just giving them the runaround just because of the color of their skin. And we look at all the luxuries that we are afforded now that have been built upon their broken spirits and broken backs. And we are choosing not to take advantage of that. That's trifling. I don't think that we really understand the seriousness of the state of this nation until we look at things in hard numbers and black and white research stuff because you can look at this stuff in black and white on twitter you can look at all these folks opinions but when you look at what's the hard data and the facts that 307 and climbing that's hard data of these mass shootings that are happening Instead of just sitting back and saying, oh, that's a shame, what you going to try to do to make sure that we are in positions to hold the decision makers who can pull the romaine lettuce off the doggone 
counters and the shelves to also hold them accountable for pulling these guns out of stores and making the requirements to get a handgun or a rifle more rigorous and more strenuous. That's our role. That's what we have to do. That's what we have to hold ourselves accountable for and positioning ourselves to demand this of those decision makers and those leaders who can do those things. Alrighty, lovelies, that concludes our first full episode of Tea and Nuggets. If you like what you listen to, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. It's available on multiple platforms. And don't forget to send your feedback and discussion topic ideas to enjoytea.nuggets at gmail.com. That's E-N-J-O-Y-T-E-A dot nuggets at gmail.com.